It's been a race to the middle over the course of the first three weeks of the NFL season. Only two teams, and we'll see what happens on Monday night with the New York Giants remain unbeaten after two weeks, and only two teams don't have wins in the NFL. That means everybody else is 2-1 and one or 1-2 one and two and very much in the mix. We'll get to all the big matchups from week three. Dolphins, Bills, the Colts knocking off the Chiefs. Some really good matchups to talk about that are going to change the outlook of the 2022 season. Coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you as always. Uh, Welcome to another Monday episode, breaking down tons of fun NFL football from the Sunday that was week three. Thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt, when you think back to week three of the 2022 season, was the best play of the week either the butt punt or the Jimmy (laughs) safety? What do you think? Which one you got? Pretty good. Um, Ken Dorsey, the uh, the Bills offensive coordinator, losing his mind in the box might, might qualify as well. What didn't really, happen on the field? Like, he didn't want to break anything, but he was really mad at his paper. That's oh. what really got me about it because he was like, it was like soft mad. You know, when you're a kid and you go to your room, you don't punch the walls, but you punch the pillows. That's what it was like. It's like <laughs> I just wanted to really wrinkle up the papers really bad. I'm really mad, but I'm going to be kind of smart about it. You know, right. Um, no, th- those all three of those were uh, noteworthy, say the least. Yeah, I'm sure you weren't thrilled with with Jimmy and really how he played, but let alone stepping out of the end zone. I'll be honest, I'm a little surprised that doesn't happen a little more often, not like more than twice in, in history. Right. Know? Yeah. The saving grace for Jimmy, it wasn't as bad as the Orlovsky where Orlovsky's just running for a while. And running yeah, away from yeah. guys, like running scared, and he's just running completely on the white line. Jimmy just dropped back too far, kind of tippy-toed into it. And to me, that was as bad of a play call as it was a bad play on Jimmy. So we'll get to more of that if we get to Niners mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and Broncos. It was a pretty ugly way to end that Sunday. Um, but let's start with the one that had a couple of those moments, the butt punt and the Dorsey losing his mind at the end <laughs> of the game. And one of the unbeatens in the NFL, Matt, is those Miami Dolphins knocking off the Buffalo Bills 21-19. I think, you know, weather could have been a factor in this one. It was 90 degrees, even hotter than we thought it was going to be, very humid. So, you know, tough trip for the Buffalo Bills. And I think we can answer the question, yes, the Miami Dolphins are for real in 2022. No question about it. They are a very impressive team. I think this coaching staff has done phenomenal work. I mean, there's a couple. It's an odd game. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I'm not saying it doesn't count or it doesn't. it's not important, but it was a strange game. I mean, the Bills ran 53 plays in the second half. That's like a full game for Seattle and scored three points. They, you know, the, Did you see the play differential here? I mean, the, the, the Dolphins ran 39 plays. And one, the Bills ran 90 plays and lost. You know, like mind-boggling stuff that's just strange. And Josh Allen threw the ball 63 yeah. times in that game for 400 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. You see that alone, you think, well, how many points did they put up? 35 or 40, you know? Yeah. And they ran for over 100 yards. And, yeah. you know, I mean, yards of carry on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
you could still make the argument that Tua maybe even outplayed him. I mean, Allen had some ups and downs in this game. Um, I think you can't discredit the heat, though. I mean, for those that don't know, I think it's genius, but it's borderline dirty pool. The way that this stadium is built is the opposing sideline just takes direct sun, direct Florida sun on a one o'clock start where Miami's on their sideline in the shade. You know, like it's such an advantage to me and I love it. And Miami, of course, wears white and makes you wear the dark uniforms and all those things. So, hey, home field advantage, great. Um, but it kind of remind me of like 1981 or whatever when they're carrying Kellen Winslow off the field after blocking a punt. I mean, just the people going down with heat exhaustion just left and right. And it made me think, I'm like, if we're really that concerned about player safety, should we move these games to, say, 8 o'clock, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, this yeah. may be the night game uh, in, in Miami in September. I, I, I want to talk about the offense with Tua because, you yeah. know, there was the six touchdowns last week and both Waddle and Hill going crazy. And to see Tua, see the Miami Dolphins offense go win a game against a team like the Buffalo Bills when they were clearly trying to take Tyreek and, and Waddle and the big play out of it. Now, Waddle did get one, a 45-yarder, but combined they only had six catches. And Tyreek was only two catches for 33. You have a touchdown from River Craycraft in this game. <laughs> you know, you have a couple of rushing touchdowns from Chase Edmonds. He scored twice. He only carried the ball six times in the game. And so the team that wasn't able to run the ball, they were still able to score. They were still able to use players like Trent Sherfield and River Craycraft and, and go win a football game when, you know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle weren't run wild and, and they weren't winning necessarily with speed. So I think that was a really good sign for the Dolphins and they can play a little defense too. Yeah, 100%. Defense deserves a lot of credit. Um, again, looking at the box score, this doesn't even look like a competitive game. You would think with all those numbers we already threw out there, the Bills must have turned the ball over five times. Only one. There's only one turnover in the whole game. You know, I mean, penalties weren't that bad. There wasn't a ton of hidden yardage and things like that that went against Buffalo. I just think the Dolphins executed better. And, you know, again, I am not making excuses for the Bills, nor am I worried about them, but... They played a entirely, you know, backup defensive backfield. And, well, maybe I am a little worried. I mean, maybe they're not clearly the best team in the league. Maybe they're just one of the best teams in the league and have to overcome these secondary issues. That's a great point. And that's sort of how I opened this podcast is it was a race to the middle. Everyone's yeah. in it. Everyone but, like, the Raiders are <laughs> right. in this, right? Yeah. Like, literally – uh, every team in the NFL could go win their division right now, I, I think probably except for the Raiders who started out 0-3 because we saw the same thing with the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, no, this is the powerhouse. The two best teams in the NFL, the Chiefs and the Bills. Well, they both lost. They're only one game over 500, each of those teams. And the Colts were the team that beat the Chiefs this week. And you could see how important it is to be a home team in this league with the Dolphins and the Colts hosting those Bills and Chiefs teams and coming out with narrow victories. Colts beat the Chiefs 20-17 to and uh, the Colts really needed this this win, their first win of the season. And they were a team that, you know, you know that division is, is very winnable. But after getting blanked by the Jaguars the week before, we'll get to the Jaguars, by the way, who might be better than, than some folks expected. Um, it was huge for them to go out and, and get this game. Now 1-1-1, one, one, and one. they tied with the Texans in week one. So now they've got it all covered. They've got a win, a loss, and a tie. And you start over. Uh, and and see the rest of how the rest of the season unfolds over the course of the next 14 games for the Colts. But it was an important win for them to get off the schneid, get ready to uh, go compete for a, a very winnable division and beat one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, 
Huge win for the Colts. I give them a ton of credit, especially their defense. Played very, very well. Had a great game plan against Mahomes and company. So they're 1-1-1. One, one, and one. You know, it, it looked so much worse a week ago for this team being 0-1-1. Oh, one, and, one, and boy, are they going to be a terrible team. They're 1-1-1. One, one, and one. You're in an easy division. You're fine. You know, you're okay. That being said, I didn't think Matt Ryan played very well. You know, it wasn't a dominant Jonathan Taylor game. Clearly, my biggest takeaway with the offense is with and without Pittman is massive for this team. You know, I mean, they really missed him. They 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 need secondary playmakers. He's their top receiver, obviously. I'm still very worried about Matt Ryan, though. I think he's starting to look old. Mahomes um, was a little up and down in this one. And we talked about some weird things of the weekend. How about this one? Here's a great stat line. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, seven carries, long rush of four, even scored a touchdown, finished the day with zero yards. <laughs> his, other, his other six rushes were uh, for – one, minus one. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's, that's pretty amazing. And his, his, his touchdown run was one yard, right? I think so. Yeah. Yard. I mean, he had a four yard run. I don't remember which one that one was, yeah. but could have so, been many positive ones in there. It's yeah. That, that's pretty remarkable. And in both of those losses, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen were the leading rushers for their teams. And mm, so yeah. not the greatest formula when you got a guy, that kind of throwing talent, right? You throw it 63 times and your quarterback's still the leading rusher fumbles three times. I'm talking about Josh Allen again. He only lost one of those fumbles, but um, man, it's, it's, it's amazing in this league because how much is put on the quarterback. And when you see a game like this and you look at Patrick Mahomes and, and I was watching the game, and I was like, well, Pat, like just not looking at stats, looking at that quarterback rating, Matt Ryan has a better rating than Patrick Mahomes, partially because there was a, the one interception from Patrick Mahomes, but I'm watching the game. I'm like, well, Matt Ryan looks bad. Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes look good. What's going on here? You know? And it's just making big plays, uh, winning the turnover battle, all the small things. Yeah, not great and, on third downs. Right, yeah. third downs is huge. We saw it on one, on Sunday night as well. And uh, those things are, are big in the NFL. And that's why if you are playing at home and you got the crowd behind you and you can keep things close from a you know third down perspective, from a turnover perspective, you can be in a lot of football games. Yeah, and, and desperate teams are really hard to play against, even in week three. Um, a couple nuggets that we sort of touched on. Again, I'm not blown away with the Colts' offense at all. Um, Ryan was sacked five times. That O-line is nowhere close to what it used to be. Mm-hmm. But I do think probably the key to the game, which is a, a feather in Indy's defense's hat, as well as you know Kansas City's inability, was just Casey's lack of a running game at all. Like you said, I mean, 26 yards is your leading rusher by Mahomes. Nothing going on the ground. You know, they had a lead going into halftime. It would have been nice to be able to, you know, lean on a running game a little, and they didn't have any. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think maybe with both of these teams, you, you get a little bit worried about the secondary, tertiary playmakers. On yeah, offense. yeah. Less worried about the Chiefs, more worried about the Colts. Because even with Pittman and Jonathan Taylor in there, it's still like, okay, there still needs to be one more guy. And who's going to be that guy to step up? And Naheem Hines did have five catches, but, you know, not big plays, kind of dump off variety. Right, right. Stuff there. Yeah, I mean, they could, their tight ends are fine. You know, maybe Pierce is okay. You know, mm-hmm. but I want all those guys to move down one more rung on the ladder. Yes, absolutely. Yep, that's that's well put there. But the Colts back in it, one one and one. The Kansas City Chiefs at two and one. Let's have some fun here in the uh, 2022 season, Matt, because everybody uh, still in it 
aside from those Raiders. Sorry, sorry, Raiders fans. Well, I, I didn't mean to go in. Hard, yeah. it's just, it's just oh, totally... three in the West is rough, though. Yeah, it's it. But again, again, the the there's no three and zero in the West, so that's Good not point. impossible yeah. for the Raiders either, right? Win a because couple division games, and get back in yeah. it, you know. Yeah, we've seen the Chargers, we've seen the Broncos, we've seen the Chiefs look very human so far this season. Um, I want to get Actually, next real quick. I just pulled up yeah. Vegas's schedule. I mean, not that they're going to win these two, but they have Denver at home, then they go to Kansas City, then they have a bye. So if by chance they could win those two division games, maybe we won't pick on the, the Raiders anymore. Yes. I want to get to a quote next from Colts head coach Frank Reich uh, about a team he played the week before, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who knocked off the Los Angeles Chargers and are currently in first place in their division next I got to talk about our friends at BetterHelp, though, right now, because it can be tough. Uh, life can be tough. We know how it is coming off the, the pandemic. I know that was a tough couple of years for a lot of people. And just every day in your everyday life, how do you train your brain to stay in problem solving mode when faced with a challenge in your life? Because you still have to take care of your other things that can be tough enough on a daily basis. You got to take care of your family, take care of work maybe you're going to school and you have all of this stuff going on and then some other problem uh, shows its ugly face in your life and you've got to be able to solve that problem while taking care of the rest of it when you learn how to find your own solutions there's no better feeling a therapist can help you become a better problem solver making it easier to accomplish those goals no matter how big or small sometimes just that weekly checklist that weekly weekly check-in with the therapist can help you get to the the points in your week, the points in your day, the points in your life that you need to be to make sure you are uh, mentally prepared for everything that is coming at us in this very fast-paced life we live in the world today. If you're thinking of getting therapy, try BetterHelp. It is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey. It's very quick and very easy. If you don't like the therapist you get matched with, it's very easy and free to switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, better, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. Okay, Matt, Frank Reich talking about pregame. Uh, it's a good quote about the, and I don't have the exact quote, but the idea was talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars who, completely shut out the Colts the week before. Frank Reich was like, look, that's a good team. The Jaguars are legitimately good. That wasn't us being terrible. That's actually a pretty good team. And then we saw the Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't say that stuff all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> And then you see the Jacksonville. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, cover your butt a little bit there. Okay, you mm -hmm. lost to a good team. That makes you feel better than losing to the Jaguars. who had the first pick in the draft for two years in a row. But then the Jacksonville Jaguars go to Los Angeles and beat the Chargers 38 to 10. And now I know Justin Herbert was hurt a little bit, but you still went in there and beat the, the Los Angeles chargers who are now one and two, by the way, 38 to 10. And uh, you start to have to take, we talked about how the Miami dolphins are for real. I don't know how for real the Jaguars are, but I think you have to start taking them a little bit more seriously. Oh, I think so. I think they're clearly the best team in the South. Um, I really came around on this team. I've referenced it many times is in the off season when we had, Locked on Jags folks on, and they really spelled out how physical and they are at the both lines of scrimmage. I've always been a Lawrence believer, of course. That's all coming to fruition. I mean, this offensive line for the Jags 
was flat out dominant run game and pass game. Lawrence looks like the next Herbert Burrow, whatever, you know, I mean, young quarterback ascending very, very rapidly. Um, They have some playmakers on both sides of the ball. Defense is extremely physical. Robinson's out there running for a hundred and throwing ATN, a little juice on top. Um, Chargers though, you mentioned it. I didn't think Herbert looked right. I mean, I didn't think he looked like himself. 26 rushing yards. I mean, no one had more than five carries for the Chargers. I know they were playing from behind a bunch, but you would think this has to be a massive Austin Eckler game with no Allen and an injured quarterback gutting it out. He got four carries and eight receptions, but did very, very little. You know, his, is he slowing down? Um, Bosa and Slater both injured in this game. Like, all of a sudden, you look at teams like Buffalo and the Chargers and, and Kansas City lost too, you know, and, and say – Boy, those are the elite of the AFC, but overcoming a Slater and Bosa injury is going to be really tough. And when's Herbert going to be right? And um, it's time to worry, but the Jags are skyrocketing up right now. Uh, You definitely want to play the Los Angeles Chargers right now. Right now, yeah. Yeah, this is the time you want to play them for sure. Uh, They had two balls. We talked about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that had seven carries for zero yards. There was a couple of guys that had negative yards in this game. They only had one carry apiece, but Joshua Kelly, DeAndre Carter, each have negative carries for this team. The leading rusher was Sony Michelle, who's a journeyman at this point. He's five right. carries for 22 yards. Austin Eckler's four carries for five yards. And we're seeing this a lot around the league. Teams are having trouble running the ball, but defenses are getting lighter. What's wh- Why is that? It's just something that dawned on me just now because almost every box score you look at, if there's not some big run, teams are not carrying the ball well and not you know running over four and a half yards per carry in a lot of cases. Even those teams that you expect to be able to run the ball a little bit uh, haven't been able to do it thus far. Do, do you have any theories on that one? I'm interested because, I mean, it's such an analytically driven league that I do believe this league is very citric. I'm saying the, raw, the word wrong. You know, goes in circles. You know, come, what comes around, what goes around, yes. comes around. And, and I think coaches are being told, rightfully so, the data shows this. Passing's better than running. But I still think there's something to be said for churning out five or six yards of carry against a light box and, and you know not turning the ball over. I do think a lot of the offensive lines in the league are going to take a little longer to come around to early in the season. But I wonder if you know an off season or two from now, more studies are done to say maybe balance is best or it, it just take what the defense gives you. If that just means handing it to Jonathan Taylor a hundred times in a row. Who cares? Because you're going to dominate time of possession like Jacksonville did here, well over 38 minutes of possession in this game and not put, you know, your team in harm's way. So, I mean, I don't think running is dead, I guess, is my point. And we saw another star quarterback. Their team lost. Obviously, Herbert's injured in this one, but chucked it a whole bunch of times, 45 pass attempts. Um, he was the second leading rusher. He only carried the ball one time for seven yards. He's still the second leading rusher in the team. Yeah. And the other team that was more balanced, who Ran the ball 36 times for 151 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. Finally got that big run from James Robinson in the second half. You know, sometimes the body blows and and you win the game in the fourth quarter because of the maybe not super successful running game you had early, but it's the body blows and then, you know, some efficient quarterback play from Trevor Lawrence. So I think that balance is something that the Jacksonville Jaguars can lean on this season. And I, and I, and I like what I see there and I like what I see there on defense, but um, absolutely. how many games are they going to win when Zay Jones is the, the leading receiver, you know, 10 for 85. It was, <laughs> it was very efficient passing game. It wasn't a lot of chunk plays in this one. Yeah. Oh yeah. I hear you. 
I, I wonder, I mean, big picture, what if you could add one more first round receiver to this mix? You know, yes. I mean, like I like Kirk and you just mentioned Jones, he's fine. But what if your their first round pick is, you know, 20th overall and you take the fourth receiver off the board? Like, oh, okay. Or, or even trade for a guy, you know, get. get yeah, yeah, right, right. Be in that Trevor spot. Lawrence, his Stephon Diggs. Yeah, basically. yeah. Yeah. And, and Kirk's I good, see, but. I see the same thing with the Bears, too. And, and we can talk about the Bears. Uh, sure getting by the uh, the Houston Texans 23 to 20 but I, I watched and it was a bad game for for Justin Fields again a couple of bad interceptions and just, there, nobody's really open for him Equinemius St. Brown when he's your leading receiver he's a cast off right he's the sixth best receiver on a team that's trying to find their receiver with the the Green Bay Packers so that's another team that get your get your quarterback some weapons but luckily they had Khalil Herbert running 20 times for 157 yards and a couple touchdowns in this game uh Davis Mills didn't look great either uh, I came away from this game thinking, yeah, okay, these teams are both not good and have a lot of work to do. But for the Bears, they're at least two and one right now. The Texans, oh, two and one, uh, are going to have a rough time uh, competing this year. Yeah, and again, I mean, um, not exactly a heavyweight fight, but the Bears' season, whether it's smoke and mirrors or a bit of a aberration, is going to be a work in progress. But in the meantime, you're two and one. You know, I mean, the Texans are the opposite; they're oh, two and one. So. You know, both these teams are in similar spots. The more I watch the Bears, I, I, I for a while there, I thought, do they just not like or trust Fields? I mean, again, only 17 pass attempts in this game. I'm wondering if they're just trying to keep him survived. I mean, he got sacked five times on 17 dropbacks. I mean, it's, that line's bad. The line's bad. The, the, the everything kind of looks bad. And the, it's almost they're treating him like, you know what, we're not sure about him anyway, so let's not worry too much about him. Let's build the rest of the thing like we think we need to, and we'll worry about him and maybe a different quarterback later. That is kind of the vibe I'm getting from the Bears right now. Not a lot of help, but he's not playing well either, Mm-mm. not getting the ball out quick. You know, he's making a couple throws. His two interceptions look super decisive. He's like, oh, cool, he hit his back foot and threw the ball. It's like, oh, to the wrong team. By the, the way, right. Jalen Petrie, the, the safety oh, for the making second plays, round yeah. He guy's a baller and caught, he got him twice and he's making plays all over the field. Like I love that guy. So there's a fine there for the Houston Texans, which, you know, again, a lot of work to do. So foundational building with those two teams. Absolutely. And I, if you look at it in a half full type of way, you could say, we just don't want to put fields in harm's way. We love them. We want to protect them, bring them along very slowly, but you'd like to see a little more. Staying in the NFC North next, we're going to talk Vikings-Lions. There's the Ravens who uh, got over the Patriots in Week 3 and some more highlights from the week that was the Sunday that was in Week 3 of the NFL. I do want to thank everybody, though, for making Peacock and Williamson. Once again, your first listen every day. Make sure you're checking out everything that the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer. Your team is covered daily right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Find Matt doing Locked On Dynasty football. We've got Locked On Fantasy football, Locked On NFL draft, as well as the national shows here with Peacock and Williamson on the Locked On NFL channel on YouTube. So make sure you check that out. Okay, let's go to Vikings-Lions. And I thought the Lions had this one. 14 points in the fourth quarter by the Vikings to come back and win this one, 28-24. It was a good game. Um, I was a little bit worried when I saw Amonra St. Brown go down with an injury because he's been everything to that Lions offense. And just the week I finally come around and realize, you know what? Maybe this is a superstar in the making. Then he gets um, he gets banged up a little bit. 
Um, I don't know what the long-term prognosis is for Amonra St. Brown, but man, he is everything to that offense, handing the ball in the backfield, making catches, and he was on his way to having a huge game before he did uh, get get dinged up in this game. But again, it was just kind of not enough for the for the Lions. You know, Goff is looks okay, and you can win some games if you're getting a lot of everything else around him. And uh, once Amonra St. Brown got hurt, they, they kind of ended what they were able to do on offense and opened the door just a crack for Kirk Cousins and those Vikings to come back and win it. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, Swift also got injured and could be out for some time, too. He is an ankle and a shoulder. Um, so they were those are your two playmakers, like the, yeah. yeah, the only two basically, absolutely. And Dalvin Cook also got injured in this game, keep an eye on that. But my takeaway was this was just a very even game, like yards per play were pretty even. The Lions ran the ball pretty well with Jamal Williams. Good thing he was there, they could lean on him a little, but it's not dynamic enough to put a team away. You know, both quarterbacks threw 41 passes. You know, I mean, again, it was pretty even. But part of me thought Minnesota's a little further along in terms of learning and knowing how to win in this league. You know, maybe think the Lions are still a little bit of an upstart team. They're going to take a one on the chin here and probably kick themselves for not winning this game or being, you know, oh, you know, uh, 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. And, you know, maybe next year they win this game or later in the year they win this game. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Um, Justin Jefferson, we're all projecting this crazy statistical year for him. Only three catches in this game. Uh, another takeaway for me for that that uh, Minnesota Vikings offense was there was a lot of talk in the offseason that there was, you know, uh, Kenny Nguangu and, uh, you know, Ty Chandler, the the camp superstars that might be the backups and, and leapfrog Alexander Madison. Maybe if Cook misses a lot of time, they'll get worked in more. But clearly Madison's the, the running back to own in your fantasy leagues. Uh, if Dal- Dalvin Cook's going to miss some time, but um, I don't know. No, you're hundred percent right. And it'd be an instant starter. And I'm St. Brown that he did finish the game, that ankle injury. Hopefully that doesn't, you know, hamper him the rest of the year. Cause that'll really hurt that lion's offense. It, to your point about him though. It's funny that six for 73, despite missing time in the game, we're a little disappointed. He's at that level now, you know, like every week the like- consistency is so strong. And I feel like all of his, it was all in the first quarter. Like he was everything to yeah, the yeah. offense early in the game. Then he's kind of limping around. He's got a bad ankle and he's a tough guy. He's going to play through it, that type of player. But yeah, you hope um, he's important. He's really important to that offense because they don't have a lot else going on. The Baltimore Ravens defeat. Real quick, the- I think your point is dead on. Leaning on St. Brown and Swift is a lot different than lying, relying on Jamal Williams and Reynolds. Oh, yeah. It, it's night and day yeah. from what we've seen so far with the, with that Lions team. The Baltimore Ravens defeat the New England Patriots 37-26. Ravens improve to 2-1. and one. Patriots fall to 1-2. and two. And I don't know where Mac Jones is at with his injury, but, it, you know, three interceptions in that game. He's, you know, he's limping off the field at the end. Uh, bad situation for the New England Patriots. It is. Um, you know, Devontae Parker blows up. I mean, could he be their number one? Who knows? Usage with this team is always difficult. It looks like Ramondre Stevenson's maybe taking over the backfield or at least a better chunk of it. Um, They got after Lamar. A couple takes, though. I mean, big win for the Ravens after the crazy way they lost last week. And I honestly think Lamar now deserves to be in that MVP type of conversation. I mean, 107 rushing yards, four touchdowns against one interception throwing. He's kind of the whole offense with Andrews and Bateman's a good player as well, but their their backfield is 
lacking to say the least. And they got big old Philele playing left tackle. I mean, they're on their third left tackle. He has no business playing left tackle. I mean, he is way too slow footed. And this Ronnie Stanley situation is problematic for them. But um, I kind of like where the Ravens are at all in all. I don't want to say the Patriots are a fraud. They're not. I just think that they're not really a contender, especially if Jones misses any time. Yeah, it's looking like the MRI results aren't in here yet on Monday morning, but uh, the looking like a high ankle sprain, which means he'll miss time. And, you know, that could be a yeah, month. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, sometimes those high ankle sprains are, you know, linger all year. They linger all year long. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with Mac Jones there. And Matt, I can I cannot believe you fell into the trap of thinking you know who the lead rusher, or leading receiver is going to be for the New England Patriots. I. <laughs> it's wishful thinking because I fell into the trap in all my fantasy drafts and drafted Ramondre Stevenson. And now the time Montgomery's out of the picture, I just want him to take over. So I'm trying yeah. to like do some Jedi mind tricks here. He definitely had a better line there. So, you know, if you're using this game as the barometer, maybe it's, it's Stevenson, but maybe that just means now's the time to trade Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson from your fantasy leagues. Yeah. I mean, four, four turnovers by new England is probably the difference here when it's all said and done, you know, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's, that's not going to get it done. And I'm sure so, Belichick's losing his mind. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't hurt that much. If Mac Jones is going to miss time, if he's throwing three interceptions. Yeah. I mean, that was, that uh, was a problem. I, I did hear some people saying they thought his receivers quit on a couple of those routes, which also won't settle well. That will not look good at all. Uh, Tons of other news and notes around the NFL following week three that Matt and I will continue to cover all week long because we are coming at you every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen 